0: So I have an additional thought on the whole Ray Epps thing. I know we talked about this a week or it might have been two weeks ago now. Um, We talked about that video showing Ray Epps, this gigantic man wearing a mega hat. He's one of the only ones on video. I, I don't need to do this whole summer. You guys know who Ray Epps is, but he's one of the only ones on video on January 6th who was in the crowd in the protesters that became rioters who was actively recruiting other people to break into the Capitol. And he was put on the FBI's most wanted list for that day. I think he was number 16. And then randomly six months later, without being arrested, without being charged, without being indicted, any of that, he was removed from the FBI list. He claims, or at least the January 6th committee claims, that they interviewed him and that they asked him if he was part of any federal law enforcement, any any of the alphabet soup agencies, basically, if he worked with any of them and he claimed no. So, first of all, I said last week, I think it was, that's exactly what a Fed would say in answer to that question, an undercover Fed. They're actually trained to say that in, when they're asked, when they're questioned after the fact. But here, here's the other thing. We actually don't know for a fact that Ray Epps is a Fed. It is a plausible theory. It seems like a good theory, a solid theory to me, especially given how cagey the FBI has been about answering this. We know Senator Ted Cruz last week asked the FBI, I think it was their executive, executive assistant of the FBI, or I, I forget exactly what her title was. And she refused to answer any questions about Ray Epps. She just said, I can't answer that. I can't answer if he's a Fed. I can't answer what we know about him. I can't answer why he wasn't charged with a crime. I can't answer why he was removed from the list, et cetera, et cetera. So he, here's an alternative theory that I think is equally as plausible. I'm interested in your thoughts on this. What if Ray Epps wasn't originally a Fed? What if he wasn't a Fed, but, but after January 6th, after he was caught on camera, after he was put on the FBI's list, the FBI did, this is again a theory, the FBI did interview him and the reason that he was pulled off the FBI's most wanted list for January 6th, what if it was because he cut a deal with the feds that he basically became an informant after the fact? Maybe he gave emails and text messages and group chats and all kinds of insider knowledge to the FBI in exchange for not being charged with, you know, what other people who were standing next to him were charged with. That is a plausible theory that I think is also very realistic. That easily could have happened if he wasn't a plant that by the FBI intending to entrap people, intending to incite people, then he certainly became, it certainly seems plausible that he became an informant of sorts after the fact. And this would be Equally telling in a very different way, right? If he were a plant by the FBI intending to entrap people, then you know it becomes the Fed's erection, I think is what people online are calling it. And like I said, maybe that maybe that's true. Is it true? I don't know. Is it not true? I don't know. It also is equally telling if he wasn't associated with law enforcement, but he became a de facto informant afterward by giving over texts, emails, phone numbers, all that stuff, names. And here's why it would be equally telling. Because if the government had probable cause to think that there was an actual rebellion, an actual insurrection that was taking place, then they would have been able to subpoena these records. They would have been able to identify each and every one of these individuals who was on their, their most violent or most wanted list, whatever they called it. And they would have been able to get the phone numbers and the names and the email threads and the text, the text messages and the group chats and all of that just by issuing a subpoena. But they didn't do that. They didn't do that. Instead, perhaps they cut a deal with raps. I don't know. I, I wish that we could get to the bottom of this, that we could get answers for this. But what I will tell you is what the left is saying. And by the left, I don't just mean the mainstream media. I mean Kinzinger. Yes, the Republican, so-called Republican on the January 6th committee What he's saying doesn't make sense here because you remember we read that very condescending, very patronizing tweet thread from Kinzinger, the one that started, oh, this is going to break a lot of hearts, but let me try to debunk for you why Ray Epps isn't a Fed. And then he goes on to not do that. He goes on to make a bunch of arguments that really didn't hold water. But the one in particular that I thought was the worst argument from Kinzinger was Kinzinger said, Ray Epps didn't commit any crimes he didn't, the reason he was removed from the FBI watch list is because he didn't commit any crimes. Well, here's a very interesting take from the Washington Times. The Washington Times reports on a woman named Rachel Genko, who, as we know, we have videos of everything that happened, every angle. There were all kinds of citizen journalists and just people, just people recording what was going on. So the Washington Times reports that Rachel Genko, this is a quote, was seen on video standing just feet away from Epps, on January 6th, as he whispered into the ear of her boyfriend, Ryan Samsel, who promptly led a mob that stormed a police barricade. So we all know which video that is. When Ray Epps, uh, he very obviously gives directions to this man, who then pulls the barricades and the restricted area signs down at what would then become the Ray Epps breach site. That that funnel where all these people coming from Trump ra- the Trump rally walked down. Um, walked down to the Capitol, and then there weren't any signs telling them that it was a restricted area because Ray Epps had directed this other man to pull those signs down. The other man did, and so they walked in. So the Washington Times says, you know, this man probably led a mob that stormed a police barricade, but unlike Samsell, the 38-year-old Pennsylvania woman simply stood by. So she was charged. She was charged with being on a restricted area. She faces, get this, she faces a year in prison if she's convicted on this charge. But the thing is, this video of her that proves that she is on a restricted area, in a restricted place that carries a criminal penalty, guess who's filmed right next to her? Ray Epps, Ray Epps is. So when Kinzinger says he's not, that Ray Epps didn't commit a crime, well, It's either a crime that he's in a restricted area or it's not a crime. And if it's not a crime, then why is this woman being charged with a crime for doing the exact same thing that Ray Epps was caught on video doing? There are so many questions still that we should be asking about the FBI because I don't know about you, but I have lost all faith in the FBI because they've messed up, not once, not twice, not unintentionally, not negligently. They have intentionally and deliberately, with malice, targeted people, American citizens based on their political views. Why would we trust them? Who in their right mind would give the FBI the benefit of the doubt? There's one more thing. According to the Washington Times, and I quote, another man who was filmed on Capitol grounds carrying a concealed handgun and wearing an earpiece was pictured on the FBI's most wanted list for over five months until he was removed without explanation September 25th. The same day the New York Times reported that an FBI informant was at the Capitol during the riot, the man, dubbed hashtag ginger Gun by online sleuths, was identified as Arizona-based far-right activist Luke Philip Robinson by the Daily Beast on Wednesday. My friends, this is who the FBI is. This is who the FBI is. The FBI who designates parents as domestic terrorists who tries to stifle and squash and silence men and women who don't want their children to be taught racism in the public school system. So the FBI is going to create a task force, the DOJ is creating a task force to go after these parents. Who would trust the FBI? And this week we have even more reason to question them and distrust them. I'm Liz Wheeler, this is The Liz Wheeler Show. Don't, don't you wonder, actually, whether people like Adam Kinzinger are actually just dumb, whether they're just dumb and naive, or whether they're corrupt and trying to help cover up the FBI's wrongdoing? I actually wonder often when you have, I guess, elected officials who aren't that powerful, who aren't, who haven't used their government position to profit yet to the extent that others have at least, I wonder whether they're dumb or whether they're trying to stage a cover-up thinking that they just know better than the American people. Both both situations are wrong. You don't want a naive, dumb elected official, but you definitely don't want an elected official that thinks it's okay to lie to you in order to manipulate you because they think they know better than you based on information they know. And I wonder when it comes to Adam Kinzinger, which, which, which camp he falls into, which category best applies to him. Um, the FBI. Let's talk about the FBI. So the very same FBI that refused to deny that Ray Epps was part of their operation, part of their organization, the very same FBI has or originally refused to say that the hostage-taking, the terror attack that happened at the synagogue in Texas— In Colleyville, Texas, they refused to say that it was both terrorism and motivated by anti-Semitism. And... We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Nutrafol. Fun fact about Nutrafol. I was in Florida with Dave Rubin, and I literally asked him, dude, what have you been doing with your hair? Because it looks super fly. It looks really good. It looks thick. And he actually said Nutrafol. I thought he was making fun of me because we have a joke in my house um, about Nutrafol promo code Liz. Anytime somebody makes a joke about, you know, having a good hair day. But he actually uses Nutrafol. He said he was losing hair based on stress, and uh, neutrophil helped. So I thought that was both hilarious and something that you would be interested in. Nutrafol, as you know, is a holistic solution for men that promotes healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs, without prescriptions. Um, and it is proven. It's clinically proven to improve hair growth, thickness, visible scalp coverage without compromise. I mean, men showed improvement in the clinical study. In three to six months, they had better hair. Um, so you, too, can grow thicker, healthier hair. And you can support our show by going to nutriful.com and entering the promo code Liz to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer. It's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order if you use my promo code. Get $15 off at nutriful.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Liz. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so this same FBI is so corrupt that they can look at a terror attack, which was obviously a terror attack. We could all see it for ourselves. That happened in Texas, and they refused to identify it as such. And they actually tried to disassociate it to deny that it was based on anti-Semitism. So what happened, of course, was this 44-year-old British-Pakistani man, his name is Faisal Akram. Akram. He took hostages at the Beth Israel Synagogue in Colleyville, Texas. It was four people he took hostage, including the rabbi, because he was calling for a terrorist to be freed from prison. She was being held in prison for, I think, 30 minutes away from this synagogue in Texas. And the reason that we knew from the beginning that this was a terror attack and that it is related to anti-Semitism, it wasn't a coincidence that it was Jews that this terrorist held hostage, is because they were live-streaming the service, they were live-streaming at the synagogue, and before that live-stream got cut, they could hear Faisal Akram say what he was doing there, what his motivation was. His motivation, he said he could be heard saying something about my sister Afia. So, okay, so his sister Afia, well, originally there was a report that it was his biological sister he was talking about. No, no, this was a religious, this was a religious phrase that he used when he talked about my sister Afia. He's talking about Afia Siddiqui. Afia Siddiqui is a terrorist who was convicted based on her plot to try to kill American military members um, in the Middle East. And she's being held, she was sentenced to what, like 86 years in prison. She's in prison in Texas right now. And it's interesting that knowing that from the get-go, knowing from the very first moment that this terrorist entered the synagogue, we knew what his motivation was. We knew, I mean, a hostage shaker always has something that they want, right? That's, that's, That's how you take hostages. That's the point, is you're trying to extort something. You're threatening these people's lives in exchange for getting what you want because you know you won't get what you want if there's not some motivation, if there's not some incentive for the other side to give it to you. The incentive, in this case, being the people's lives that he was holding hostage. So we knew right from the beginning who he wanted freed. He wanted uh, Afia Siddiqui to be freed. And we know for a fact that Afia Siddiqui is... I mean, she's known as Lady Al-Qaeda. She's a terrorist. She is is as anti-Semitic as they come. And and in addition to that, she is a favorite. She is the pet terrorist, if you will, of anti-Semites and anti-Semitic groups around the world. She's their little heroine, their anti-Semitic heroine terrorist. So we knew knew this from the get-go. And yet the FBI... um, Originally, this is what the FBI, the Associated Press reported that the FBI's special agent who was in charge, it was Matt DeSarno, said, quote, the hostage taker was specifically focused on an issue not directly connected to the Jewish community and there was no immediate indication that the man, ha- uh, that the man was part of any broader plan. Okay, okay. <laughs> this, does not get, this should not give anyone confidence in the FBI because even sitting right here, thousands of miles away, without the power and the resources of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the government of the United States, I can tell you that that's wrong. I can tell you that that's false. I can tell you that if you are trying to take hostages, if you are taking hostages to try to free Afia Siddiqui, that you're an anti-Semite, that this is terrorism. It's radical Islamist terrorism, which is inherently anti-Semitic here. And by the way, this wasn't just the FBI that was that engaged in this just immediate denial, this immediate denial of it having anything to do with the fact that this was a synagogue where Jews worship, that these are Jews and that they are targeted with anti-Semitic hate and terror by Islamists who hate them because they're Jews. The Telegraph reported, this is what they reported, I kid you not, their actual headline, quote, man with English accent holds rabbi and congregation hostage at Texas Synagogue. Not terrorist, not Pakistani man, not anti-Semite, but man with English accent. Okay, who are we talking about here, Boris Johnson? So, so ridiculous, so, so ridiculous. And it is an effort, by the way, to manipulate us. It's an effort to make us think, oh, this doesn't have to do with the fact that they're Jews. The head of the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, Jonathan Greenblatt, this is what he said. He even did this. He said, quote, I'm praying for a peaceful resolution of the Coryville, Texas hostage situation. ADL is on the ground working with law enforcement, monitoring monitoring online spaces and analyzing the situation. It's a reminder that we must remain vigilant against anti-Semitism and extremism of all forms. Okay, extremism of all forms. Like, let's just get your anti-Trump, your, your, your effort to brand anybody who's not a Joe Biden groupie as a white supremacist. Let's just get that little thrust in there while you're condemning anti-Semitism on the side. These people are unbelievable, unbelievable. So here's the thing. Kyle Scheidler at the Center for Security Policy, I've interviewed this man dozens of times. He is very knowledgeable about radical Islamist terrorism, very knowledgeable about the ideology that underpins radical Islamist terrorism. And he talks about, he he basically poses a question. He poses a question that the Biden administration needs to answer for the American people. He says, this is what he wrote. He said, while details about Akram's history and affiliations are still under investigation, the British newspaper, The Independent, cited a September 22nd, 2001, Lancaster Telegraph article where Akram allegedly told court staff that he, quote, should have been on the blankety-blank plane in reference to the 9-11 attack. So let's just, let's just contextualize this. This man in Britain, he's a Pakistani, Pakistani living in Britain, told the court in Britain, and again, this was public because a newspaper reported on this, that he wished that he had been on the planes that were hijacked by radical Islamists, by Al-Qaeda operatives here in the United States, rammed into the World Trade Centers, rammed into the Pentagon, rammed to the ground, killing 3,000 people in our country, and this man wished that he had been on those planes. He wished that he was a suicide hijacker. Okay, so... Understand that for a second, contextualize that. Here's what Kyle Scheidler asks. Given that, and I'm paraphrasing here, given that the British government was well aware of this comment, this radical Islamist comment from Faisal Akram, how and why was he allowed into the United States? Did the British government fail to notify the American government? did the American government ignore the warning? Did a crom get into the United States in some way that was not detectable? How did this individual get to our country? How did the government of the United States, the Biden administration, not know about this? How did they not stop this? Because this, this could have been a deadly oversight. This could have been neglect that caused the death of innocent Jews in the synagogue who were taken hostage. Thank goodness Akram was killed by law enforcement. The four hostages got out alive, but that's not not a conclusion to a hostage situation that is a foregone conclusion. That is a lucky thing that happened. That's something we should be grateful for, that we should say prayers of gratitude for. But this isn't something that we can just assume in a hostage taking situation. So, how on earth was Akram allowed into the United States? Why was he allowed in? Who allowed this? Who ignored the warnings? Who neglected to give a warning, if that's the case? But we need answers to this. And like I said, I think that's an admirable question from Kyle Scheidler, something that we should all be asking, and something that the mainstream media, if they were journalists, and I laugh even saying that, if they had any journalistic curiosity, they would ask this question. I mean, this this would be an incredible story if you uncovered that either someone in the Biden administration ignored a warning about an Islamist terrorist who wanted to kill us, or someone in the British government, one of our closest allies, had neglected to warn the United States before one of their citizens came to the United States with the intent to kill us. This would be a huge story. It would make somebody's career. And so just from a purely self-interested standpoint, even if you don't care about Protecting your fellow countrymen against a dangerous and deadly ideology. There's there's personal there's there's personal benefit here to reporting on this. Yet the mainstream media doesn't ask the question, doesn't investigate this because they don't care to uncover the truth. Again, pivot back to this this terrorist that Akram was trying to free, this Lady Al Qaeda. She in uh, she was sent to federal prison in two thousand eight because in to, or in two thousand ten excuse me in two thousand ten because in two thousand eight she attempted to murder U.S. military service members in Afghanistan. Then she was captured with basically proof of these plans. They were documents that detailed exactly how these plans were going to be carried out. And what's funny is that if you or I say anything about election integrity, if we say anything really, I mean, that's really what the left is using. If we say anything about election integrity, we say anything about voter fraud, we say anything um, related to a conservative cause at this point, then the left tells us that our words are actual violence. You know, you can when use Trump as an example. When President Trump says that the election was stolen, if he uses those words, or that shady things happened during the 2020 election, then leftists falsely claim that Trump is engaging in actual violence using those words, and that his opinion, at the very least, they say his opinion about the validity of the outcome of the 2020 election incited violence. So think about January 6th, when Trump was at that rally and he was talking about the shady things that happened in, at the 2020 election, the mainstream media and the Democratic Party have just unanimously decided that what Trump said, even though Trump said to peacefully protest, that Trump's beliefs, this quote-unquote big lie, they've branded Trump's, Trump's issues with the integrity of the election, this big lie incited the insurrection on January 6th. It's Trump's fault. His words caused this, even though he never, he never called for violence and he specifically condemned it. So contrast that, that idea, that the left tells us that our words are have no meaning but they actually mean something else because even though we're saying don't be violent we're saying be peaceful that those words have lost that the meaning and that now actually they are calling for violence and they're they're violence themselves and they're they're inciting they're inciting an insurrection contrast that with what the Council on American Islamic Relations actually does, because what they do, this organization, the Council on American Islamic Relations, it's abbreviated CARE, C-A-I-R, they actually do incite Islamist violence. And when I say they actually do, I mean, they support people who have committed terror attacks. They defend people who have committed terror attacks. They praise people who have committed terror attacks and the ideologies that motivated the terrorists. And yet, what does the left do? well, the left ignores the fact that there's an organization operating in the United States that's actually inciting and defending violent ideologies. The left ignores this because it doesn't play into their, you know, their narrative, their narrative that only conservatives are violent and Democrats are not. So again, Kyle Scheidler did a phenomenal job at the Center for Security Policy detailing this. This is what he writes. He says, in November of last year, CARE, an organization founded by members of the Muslim Brotherhood to support the terrorist group Hamas, held an online meeting to discuss their free AFA, uh, IFIA, however you pronounce her name, campaign. Islamists have explicitly linked Siddiqui's conviction to Zionist judges. So let me just interrupt myself for a second. This is where this is where the FBI denying that this was a terror attack at the uh, Texas synagogue or denying that the terror attack was connected in any way to the Jewish people is just BS. It's just absolute BS, because I simply do not believe that the FBI is stupid. They're corrupt, yes. Some of their operatives are evil, yes. They use the power of the government to target their political enemies, sure, we have proof of that. But stupid, no because they do have the resources to know information almost at the click of a mouse pad about almost any individual. And this individual is going to be no different. I mean, as soon as they heard that this was about Siddiqui, they had to know, okay, this is exactly what we're dealing with. We know what situation we're dealing with. And so, Siddiqui's conviction was painted by the Council on American Islamic Relations as being due to Zionist judges. There we have, of course, the Jewish connection here. Um, Shadler writes, "Care came under fire for their role following the synagogue attack with the Simon Wiesenthal Center making a direct link between the Islamist campaign to free Siddiqui and Saturday's attack, calling it no accident. Listen to this, though. Care has come under increasing scrutiny from Jewish organizations which deal with anti-Semitism in recent months, especially following a leaked speech by CARE San Francisco leader Zahra Billu in December of last year, where she described, quote, Zionist organizations and particularly synagogues as, quote, the enemy. So don't you try to tell me that the FBI actually thought that this terror attack wasn't a terror attack and that it actually didn't have to do with anything related to the fact that the synagogue was a Jewish house of worship and these were Jews inside their house of worship. The FBI knew darn well what was going on, but they deliberately painted over the truth because it doesn't suit their agenda. Because how can they accuse President Trump of committing actual violence with his words, of inciting an insurrection when he specifically said the opposite? How can they possibly continue to accuse President Trump and Republicans and Trump supporters of all those false things when their accusations are true on their side, that they have lobbying organizations that are Democrat operatives who are actually calling and actually supporting and actually praising ideologies that are violent ideologies and defending terrorists who have committed violence or attempted to murder US citizens. So don't believe it for a second. This is the FBI. This is the FBI that we're dealing with, by the way, the FBI later, after this, after this outcry, later adjusted their analysis of the case and they say this is a terrorism-related matter in which the Jewish community was targeted and it is being investigated by the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Oh, well, thank you. In which the Jewish community was targeted. Were they? Were they? Stronger words came from the Department of Justice about parents who were challenging school board members. And by challenging, I mean challenging in a democratically- in a democratic way, they were running for school board against school board members that they didn't like. This is exactly how you unseat a political official in a well-running democracy, a well-running constitutional republic. But the Department of Justice used harsher words against parents who were simply competing for a political seat than they used for a terrorist who was attacking a synagogue because they didn't wanna talk about anti-Semitism. It's so shocking, it's so awful. This, by the way, the terrorism that, that we experienced, that we saw, this anti-Semitic Islamic terrorism, this is the terrorism that we should actually fear in our country, and I'm gonna tell you why in just a second, but first I wanna to talk to you about Seoul. Today's episode of The Liz Wheeler Show is brought to you by Soul. Soul is the sustainable orthopedic footwear company that seeks to enhance your mobility and improve your foot health to keep you in the game longer by building shoes from the inside out. So first of all, did you know that 85% of the population will have one or more foot-related ailments in their lifetimes? But they can be helped with a footbed. What is a footbed, you might be asking? Well, Soul defines their signature footbed as a great place to rest your soul. It's affordable, it's customizable, and it improves people's everyday foot comfort. Millions of customers rave about this product, and two-thirds of Sole customers have two or more pairs of footbeds. Once you know the comfort, the pain relief, the performance enhancement, and injury prevention benefits of Soul's footbeds, you will want them in every shoe you own. Soul has an amazing offer for first-time customers. If you use my URL, it's 50% off if you go to yoursolecom slash Liz. That's your S-O-L-E Dot com slash Liz. So you can try Soul for yourself. They're so confident that you will love them that they offer a 90-day money-back guarantee. It's, this offer also applies to all items on the Soul store, be it footbeds or footwear. YourSoul.com slash Liz. YourSole.com slash Liz. So this is very interesting that this radical Islamist terror attack was waged right now in the United States. As I said, while the FBI is so focused on these you know these scary, scary terrorist parents who don't want their children being taught... Um, racism, don't want their children being taught that boys can be girls and girls can be boys, that the FBI has ignored the threat of radical Islamist terrorism. Um, This is after, by the way, in August, the end of August, when Joe Biden gave Afghanistan to the Taliban, gave, and our weapons, by the way, not just gave Afghanistan, gave Afghanistan and our military weapons, our weapons of war to the Taliban. Al-Qaeda, meanwhile, still wants to kill us. The Taliban probably still wants to kill us. Iran does too. But here's what's really scary. On October 30th, there was a report from top officials at the Department of Homeland Security um, who were asked what the capacity of ISIS-K, of Al-Qaeda, of these radical Islamist terror groups to actually wage attacks against us here in the United States. And John Cohen, who is a top counterterrorism official, he said that there's been a surge of ISIS activity ever since Biden withdrew from Afghanistan. Oh, well, no kidding. No no kidding. Thank you so much for stating the obvious. He goes, right now we're seeing a dramatic increase or an increase in online activity by media operations associated with different al-Qaeda elements and Islamic State. So we know that they're agitating is basically what's happening. But then here's what, Colin Call, who was the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, he told the Senate Armed Services Committee that ISIS-K and al-Qaeda have increased their capacity to attack us here on our homeland since Biden withdrew from the United States. He said, I think the intelligence community currently assesses that both ISIS-K and al-Qaeda have the intent to conduct external operations, including against the United States, but neither has the capacity to do so. We could, neither currently has the capacity. We could see ISIS-K generate that capability in somewhere between six or 12 months I think the current assessment by the intelligence community is that Al Qaeda would take a year or two to reconstruct that capability. Now, the reason why this is really scary is they say six months, twelve months, a year, two years. But these are the same people who assessed that Kabul would uh, that the Taliban wouldn't be able to retake Kabul for you know six more months. And it was literally one week later when the Taliban took over and Joe Biden surrendered surrendered Afghanistan to the Taliban. So their timelines are a little bit off here. In addition to that, about a week after this, I believe it was. um, There was a mall in Virginia that was evacuated because of a radical Islamist terror threat. It was a bomb threat. Fortunately, fortunately nobody was killed, the bomb didn't go off, but to say that this is a a threat that's simply going to happen down the road seems to me to be ridiculous, naive, and inaccurate. There is a terrorism in our country that we should fear. I don't mean we should live in fear, but there is a real threat on the lives of the American people and it's radical Islamist terrorism that never went away. Joe Biden withdrawing from Afghanistan just is going to make this kind of terrorism on our homeland rear its ugly head just like it did in Texas. And the fact that the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, doesn't recognize this, doesn't say this, doesn't acknowledge this, doesn't understand this, doesn't speak out strongly against this, identifying it for what it is, should scare the heck out of the American people. This is, not, this is the exact opposite of what we want in a Federal Bureau of Investigation. If this is all they have to offer, then abolish them. They are good for nothing. And all they do is target the American people based on differences of political opinion. They're pathetic and they're dangerous. Biden, meanwhile, tried to make the, the hostage taking at the synagogue about gun control. I mean, this man has no shame, none. This is what he said. The assertion was that he, meaning the terrorist, got the weapons on the street. He purchased them when he landed. Apparently, he spent the first night in a homeless shelter. I don't have all the detail yet, so I'm reluctant to go into more detail, but, and allegedly, he purchased it on the street. Now, what that means, I don't know. This is the president of the United States. He can't even construct a sentence that makes sense. He said whether he purchased it from an individual in a homeless shelter or a homeless community, because that's where he said he was, it's hard to tell. And he acknowledged that background checks universal background checks wouldn't have stopped this man, this terrorist from illegally acquiring a gun. But this is what he said. There's so many guns that have been sold of late. It's just ridiculous, Biden said. And it's because of the failure of us to focus as hard as we should and as consistent as we should on gun purchases, gun sales, ghost guns, and a whole range of things that I'm trying to do. Gun control would have saved us from this terrorist. Let's get one thing clear. Terrorists are criminals, and criminals don't follow the law, and so criminals aren't going to undergo a background check to try to acquire a firearm to use in the commission of a crime, especially one like terrorism. No, what's going to happen is these laws are going to make it difficult for American citizens, law-abiding American citizens, to acquire a firearm to defend themselves and their families against tyrannical government and just in everyday self-defense, and criminals are going to—criminal— Criminals are still going to acquire guns illegally, and they're going to use them in the commission of crimes. It is not going to stop them from doing that. And if anything, this example in Texas is a perfect example of that. Because what did he do? He wasn't stopped by a background check. He wasn't stopped. It wasn't a gun that he printed on his 3D printer. He wasn't stopped by any kind of gun control laws. No, he was able to acquire it illegally, illegally around the laws because he's a criminal and he didn't care about the laws. Biden is an absolute fool. He's an absolute idiot. This should enrage, enrage the Jewish community across the country, especially the Jewish community that tends to lean politically left. This should enrage the Jewish community that Biden would try to use to exploit this, a, an event that was this close to a tragedy at the synagogue in Texas to push a policy, a gun control policy, a pre existing political agenda item that wouldn't have stopped this terrorism. In the first place, while the FBI is ignoring that it was an anti-Semitic attack by a radical Islamist terrorist, it's shocking. So pivoting around the world, um, I posted this video on Twitter the other day because it actually made me laugh. Anybody, so any of my viewers who went to Catholic school who has or who has ever gone to a Catholic school dance will know exactly what I'm talking about. But remember when you would go to a, a dance, say, this was probably as late as high school, but mostly like middle school dances, and you'd have teachers that would either have balloons that they'd put between you know the boy and the girl dancing, or you'd have you know teachers that would say, leave room for the Holy Spirit in between the boy and the girl to try to create some distance so that you didn't have intimate dancing at these dances. This video literally reminds me of that because in Germany, the police are using poles. These are sticks painted white, that are six feet, and they're holding them horizontally um, in the middle of public streets to make sure that people are six feet apart for social distancing. I am not kidding. You cannot make this up. Take a look at this. wish I had a translation of the video because I will absolutely die of laughter if those cops are saying leave room for the Holy Spirit between these individuals. I mean, this it's unbelievable. I'm actually speechless because is there nothing better that the police can be doing? There's no crimes. There's nothing that can be done that's more useful than holding sticks up in the middle of the road to make sure that people passing each other in the outdoors are staying Far, are staying far enough apart. And when I say far enough apart, this is all obviously an arbitrary an arbitrary measurement as if there's even a risk of transmission of anything outdoors anyway, as if it's even a threat because Omicron is basically glorified cold anyway. It's so ridiculous, so absurd. But listen, I, I encourage people, pay attention to these videos that are happening around the world, in Germany, in Italy, in Australia, all, all of these different countries where these mandates and these crackdowns are even more draconian than what's happening here this will happen here in the United States if we don't stop government officials. If we the people don't put a stop to it, if we don't say enough and refuse to comply, then this will happen here because politicians don't have a limiting principle on themselves. They don't say, well, it's not, it's not a violation of your rights for the government to forcibly shut down your church and close your business, but it is a violation of your rights for us to put cops in the streets with six foot long poles to make sure that you're standing apart No. There's no limiting principle for politicians. So you see that happening there. That's just because they're a little bit ahead on the spectrum of we are a little bit further along this spectrum. It's not because American politicians are opposed to measures like this. Um, The sad part is, and actually, you know what? Before we get to the sad part, because this is quite shocking once we get inside the heads of Democrats. But before we talk about that, I want to talk to you for a second about headspace. So I don't know who exactly needs to hear this. Maybe it's you, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, but here you go. You deserve to feel better than you do today. And you can with Headspace. Headspace makes meditation simple. If mental health is part of your self-care plan this year, then you owe it to yourself to try Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of relaxation in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute meditation for you. Need help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach reduces stress, improves sleep, boosts focus, and increases your overall sense of well-being. You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com Liz. That's headspace.com Liz for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditation for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So head over to my URL. It's very important that you use mine, Headspace. Dot com slash Liz for a one-month free trial, headspace.com slash Liz. Okay, so if we don't want what's happening in our country to continue along this, well, continuum to reach what's happening in Australia or what's happening in Germany, then the American people have to say, well, no, we're not going to follow along. We're not going to comply. We have to refuse to comply. We have to make government officials know that If they try to enact these type of draconian mandates, they're going to lose their jobs in government. We're going to vote them out of office, and we're just not going to comply with things that violate our rights. Well, here's the disappointing part. A new poll found that the majority of Democrats want Americans who are unvaccinated against COVID-19 to be forcibly confined to their homes. This is what the poll says. 48% of Democrats believe that the government should fine and even imprison anyone who questions the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine on social media, television, radio, or in publication. 47% of Democratic voters favor a government tracking program for anyone who is unvaccinated against COVID-19. 55% of Democrats are in favor of the government fining Americans who do not get the COVID vaccine. 59% of likely Democratic voters want the government to enact a policy requiring unvaxed Americans to be confined to their homes at all times except for emergencies. 45% of Democrats who call for the government to round up citizens, or 45% of Democrats who call for the government to round up citizens who are not vaccinated against COVID-19 and then force them into, quote, designated facilities. Yes, designated facilities. So these people are crazy, my friends. This majority of the Democratic Party, more than half of Democrats, believe that if you are unvaxxed, you should be fined by the government, tracked by the government, put in a, what, uh, an internment camp by the government, or forcibly kept inside your own home, except in the case of an emergency, all because you don't wanna take the COVID-19 vaccine, which doesn't stop transmission, Of the virus and doesn't stop you from contracting the virus. I know I put that in the show anyway, even though I know that we're gonna have to blank it out on YouTube because YouTube doesn't allow me to repeat what's on the CDC website and actually state the facts about the about the COVID-19 vaccine. This is nuts. This is totally nuts. And this is why we have to. This is the mass formation psychosis we talked about last week. But this is why you and I, people with common sense, have to say enough is enough and we will not comply because the left is gonna allow and encourage government officials to continue on this terrible. This terrible continuum until we get to the video that I showed you, until we get to what's happening in Australia, until we get to a total authoritarian state based on the excuse, the justification that COVID is an emergency. Furthermore, this poll also found, and this is still this is nuttier still, if you will, that 75% of likely Democratic voters had a fa- have a favorable view of Fauci. 75%. Three quarters of Democrats still think that Fauci is a good person and listen to what he says. Like, what? What? It's absolutely unbelievable. In fact, 21% of Republicans have a favorable view of Fauci. And my question is who on earth are these 21% of Republicans who think that Fauci should be listened to? Who on earth, two out of 10 Republicans, still think that this guy's credible after he funded? gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He lied to Congress about it. He should be prosecuted because that's a crime. He's corrupt, he's a liar, he's manipulative. He changes his mind based on how he wants you to behave on masks, on vaccines. He moves the goalposts based only on what he thinks he can get you to do with his words. This man is corrupt. He's so corrupt. Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas Finally got a hold of Fauci's financials, and Fauci and his wife are worth 10.4 million dollars. At least their investment portfolio is. But here, here's the thing. That's a lot of money, by the way, for a government employee. A lot of money. Here's the thing. Fauci is invested in China. Yes. What's in this portfolio? This investment portfolio is a fund called the Matthews Pacific Tiger Fund. And Breitbart reports as follows. The Matthew Pacific Tiger Funds Fact Sheet, published in September of 2021, reveals that the fund has invested 42.7% of its investors' money into companies in China and Hong Kong. That means Fauci is literally invested in China right now. Among the companies listed is the enterprise named Wuxi Biologics Cayman. It's headquartered in China, and it is a pharmaceutical business. Their website states that the enterprise is, quote, the leading global open access biologics technology platform, offering end-to-end solutions to empower organizations to discover, develop, and manufacture biologics from concept to commercial manufacturing. How about that, folks? How about that? Not only is Anthony Fauci rich off his government salary, $10 million in an investment portfolio, that, of course, doesn't even count his property or other assets. That's just his investment bank accounts. He also has invested in pharmaceutical businesses in China, in communist China. This man is corrupt. This man must be stopped. This man must be fired. Thank goodness, Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan, says he will be investigated when the Republicans win back the Congress later this year. It's, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. And it actually, it actually, the people that think that Fauci is credible, are the same people who think that, you know, you and I, anybody who's unvaccinated, should be kept in their home, basically at the point of a government gun. And this next, this next segment is for locals VIPs only. You can go to LizWheelershow.com/slash locals to join us. I encourage you to join us because this is information you'll want to hear. Big tech won't let us talk about this on their platform. So join us at LizWheelershow.com/slash locals for locals VIPs only. If you want to see the rest of this segment, hear everything that we're going to talk about, head on over to Locals, the Liz Wheeler Show community at LizWheelerShow.com slash Locals. See you there. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay, executive producer Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla, Sound Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront Production.